Polyhedron is a production of Headcanon Games, LLC. Please bookmark Headcanon Games for the latest in Polyhedron news. Polyhedron is sponsored by listeners like yourself. If you would like to become a patron of Polyhedron, please go to patreon.com slash polyhedron. Now, on with your show. Hello, and welcome to the very first episode of Polyhedron, your multifaceted podcast for everything RPG-related. I am your host, Matthew, and as always, I have my two compatriots with me, Ryan and Scott. How's it going, fellas? Good to talk about role-playing. Oh, that's cool. I like role-playing. little face on the screen. As I said, this is a podcast about role-playing, both pen and paper, live action, and video games. Uh, and in this, we're going to delve into why we like role-playing games, why they're interesting, why society seems to be picking up uh, sort of the pace of role-playing games, why it seems to be becoming more interesting and more cool, quote-unquote, to be into role-playing games, uh, as well as just like ideas and uh, thoughts on where we think role-playing games are going to go. Um, but first, before we get into all of that, let me give you a little background. Uh, my name, as I said, is Matthew, and uh, I've been role-playing since I was 14. Uh, I started, my first experience with role-playing was with uh, seeing a whole bunch of guys at the local comic book store playing 2nd edition Shadowrun, if I remember correctly. Uh, they uh, they were, uh, if anyone doesn't understand what Shadowrun is, it's, uh, I'll quickly explain, it's a role-playing game where you, it's cyberpunk, but you uh, you have orcs and elves and trolls and magic so it's all over the map as far as the setting is concerned but it's extremely rich it's really interesting highly recommend it uh so scott what can you tell people about yourself well uh my name's scott um 35 i started role playing around uh, around 16 um don't exactly remember whether it was a tabletop warhammer fantasy role playing game or a live action vampire the masquerade game uh, but, you know, one of those. Um, I very quickly got into the world of Darkest Line, uh, Vampire, Mage, Werewolf, all that good stuff, uh, both tabletop and live action. Uh, and then sort of started branching out into more indie projects, uh, some lesser known. Uh, really got into Amber Dykeless role-playing for a while. Um, and then started getting back into live action, ran a few vampire games, uh, live action games, and eventually got into Bofferlark uh, with a little game called Forest Doors. And then I joined the plot staff of a newly formed Boffer LARP called Fractured. And now, uh, podcasting. And Ryan, what about you? What can you tell people about yourself? Hi, I'm Ryan. I'm 28 years old. Um, I think I started table topping when I was 13 years old uh, in a completely and utterly terrible Vampire the Masquerade game uh, run by a person of a slight of a high schooler uh who just just ever so briefly hit the cliff notes apparently of that and just really really wanted us to go to the orient and murder cops which it's just two things in the vampire the masquerade universe which just don't fly uh we moved <laughs> on to uh dungeons and dragons uh, which was also terrible uh, same gm <laughs> and but eventually i i sort of wrested myself away from this guy and started hanging out with his friends and they were playing a uh, Star Wars 3.0 uh, game, uh, which lasted for seven years. Uh, and we were 
we were quite potent by the end of it, and it, it ended gracefully with a major goal being achieved and all of us flying off into different parts of the universe to go cause trouble, however we did. Aggressively neutral party. Uh, so, uh, ever since then, I've played just a countless number of either homebrew or just one-shots of different systems, such as Mutants and Masterminds, uh, a game called Never After. Uh, let's see, what else? Eh, it doesn't matter. Uh, but uh, I finally fell into a uh, Boffer LARP, and that's how I met these jokers. Yep. And, uh, which I'm sure is going to come up a little bit here and there. But, uh, yeah, that that's me. All right. Well, that's really cool. Uh, yeah, live-action role-playing will be a thing we're going to talk about a whole other episode. But I think the best way to start with our first episode of Polyhedron is to talk about role-playing itself. What is it, guys? What is role-playing? Explain it to me. Well, uh, role-playing is, uh, well, you can kind of figure it out from the word. Uh, at its base element, it is a group of people who take on roles. Um, it's similar to, but different uh, from... Uh, Stage acting, uh, in that there's no script. Uh, well, you do have characters, their, their actions and their words and their thoughts are, are not predetermined, but they are mostly improv- improvisational. Um, and it is often, uh, most often, but not, not, not always, arbitrated by a system of rules, um, that sort of, uh, keep it from devolving to, I shot you, no, you didn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to. I want to be the cowboy this time. Uh, kind of. Uh, kind of uh, sophistry. Um, and it takes uh, many, many forms, from the pen and paper to the online to the live action to hitting each other with plumbing supplies. That's that's what I say. Oh, cool, Ryan. Oh, what do you? What is role playing to you? Oh, it's going to be so much less academic sounding than that. I don't know. It's just uh, pure escapism is uh, the best way to describe it, as far as I'm concerned. Most. Most people are doing it to uh, take a break from reality. Uh, uh, some people do it to uh, and feel some form of empowerment, some some way to feel big and bad when they are most assuredly not big and bad. Uh, y- you know, you can't role play smarter than you are, but you can, you know, be way way stronger than you are in a in a role playing setting. Uh, it's, uh, I mean, it really depends on the the game that you're playing. I mean, if you're a person who enjoys existential horror, I mean, Vampire the Masquerade is your game. Uh, some people, uh, some people, you know, do it to turn inwards, and you know, some people unfortunately do it to just feel something, which I've seen before, which is always sad, like and a little bit weird to me personally. Mm-hmm. But I don't, I don't personally go, uh, go, go play role playing games so I can have a good cry. That's not, <laughs> that's not what I'm into, but I do know people who that's what they do it for, so that it's okay for them to cry or something. I have no idea. But, uh, yeah, that's, that's, I mean, I know that's kind of a plotting, like, all over the place answer, but it's, that's, it's all those things. Yeah. It's, it's definitely, as Scott said, it's, it's all about taking on a role, being someone else for a little while, and, uh, and, and Ryan was definitely correct. It's, it's about empowerment or getting an experience that you don't normally have in your day to day, nine to five sort of life. Um, At least intellectually. Uh, yeah. If, if not, uh, not in real life. Yeah. And, and so I guess we all start role playing. Obviously you, you said cowboys and Indians, Scott. So I guess the, that's a lot of people's first experience with role playing in the very broad, simple sense. 
And then I think from there it kind of grows. As as we all mentioned in our very early to mid-teens, we encountered pen and paper role-playing games. Um, and probably about that time we also encountered video games that had what we didn't understand at the time was role-playing elements. And so from there, role-playing sort of takes on a bigger dimensions, like it gets more complicated because, as Scott said, there are mechanics. There are ways that the mechanics tell you that the world works, and you have to obey those rules, more or less. Sometimes. Um, uh, would you all agree to that kind of guys? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we've all, uh, looking back on it now, my if you want to talk like tabletop role-playing, yeah, that explanation I gave at the beginning is like where it, I started. But I can I can remember being a five year old with my friends and just basically LARPing. Like it like five year olds LARP all the time. They just don't know that's what they're doing. Uh playing pretend it with some ver and they'll make up rules. They will. They I mean they don't have to I mean, make sense, they don't have to be good, but they will I mean, try it's to essentially Calvin Ball, but Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, that's a good example of it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh so so we've we've as I said, we progressed from Cowboys and Indians, and we're in the pen and paper sort of area. I mean, so so I guess they get a better idea of role-playing and its impact on a person, um, now that everyone sort of got the baseline idea of what role-playing is. Uh, what were some of your first experiences? I know I mentioned one with uh, second edition Shadowrun. Uh, uh, did anyone here start with D&D, which is a classic? Go on. I'm... I mean, mine was sort of a mixture of Dungeons and Dragons and the, that vampire game. Uh, the, it didn't last too terribly long, though, because as I said, the guy running it was flaky and terrible. But you know, I, it, but the the system, on which you know, like D and D is based, it, that system is used in the Star Wars 3.0 game, which was my real seminal, like, beginning experience. So D20 is where I started, and. uh yeah, I, I mostly shy away from Dungeons and Dragons. I, I, don't, I don't touch the stuff. Uh, it, uh, <laughs> it's just kryptonite. Yeah, it doesn't it doesn't jive with me. And the, the very few games I've played, uh, in which I played basically just to to do what my friends were doing, um, uh, I, I I play a very stock sort of meat shield McSword guy, uh, just to you know play the video game as it were. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, no, I. I um, like I mentioned, my my first love, my first real real uh, foray was uh, World of Darkness, uh, Vampire, um, and uh, the Attendant Lines. Um, I also uh, really really love um, something I, I forgot to mention. Probably should White Wolf's uh, Trinity Universe line of games, uh, and that that I think is probably of like commercial role playing games. The Trinity Universe games I think are probably some of the best in my opinion. Uh, they just have Actually, the most... I'm not particularly familiar with those, so maybe you can elucidate in a short form as to what oh, they well, are. I mean, it's 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 a series of three games that take on sort of a science fiction uh, take on on uh, role playing. Uh, you know, you've got pulp adventure uh, in in the game Adventure. Uh, you've got uh, you know superheroes in Aberrant uh, and space opera sci-fi, really high high level sci-fi in Trinity. Uh, and they're, they're all a shared universe, uh, so that they, they take place in, in, you know, three different eras of, eras of the same universe. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, yeah, they're actually releasing, they're getting, uh, the second edition of those games, uh, back together. 
the cancellation of that line is probably one of the biggest tragedies in role-playing game. It's been gone for well over a decade. Yep. Is uh, is our mutual friend involved in that particular uh, resurgence? He's, he's, he's peripherally involved. He's more involved with Scion, uh, which is another canceled White Wolf game that's getting a revision, and they, the Scion and uh, Trinity Universe games are going to share a, a core system. Uh, mm-hmm. so, which is really yeah. cool. Uh, which is cool. So everything I've heard about that system, both uh, both from official releases and secret knowledge, uh, is is very uplifting and very encouraging. I cannot wait for it. Yeah. I will more than likely be running a Trinity game or an Aberrant game or Tell All Three when those books get into my hot hands. I'm totally for, down with that. Go ahead. No, yeah. Uh, for for uh, for those who are kind of ta- wondering what we mean by our secret knowledge, mutual friends and stuff. Atlanta is where White Wolf Games is, you know, from, like yep. where Vampire the Masquerade was born. So the role-playing community around here is just just as tightly knit and incestuous as it gets. So we've all met someone who, quote-unquote, wrote for White Wolf. At we some point or another. At some point or another. Yeah, we just happen to be friends with, a, with a, one of the guys who actually really did write for White Wolf, like full books, system, and stuff like that. And yeah. he's been, he gives us a lot of insight into what the hell is actually going on with the current setup. Yeah, basically, if you're, if, you're a, if you're a gamer in Atlanta, at least a role player in Atlanta, you either have worked for White Wolf or you know someone who did. Yep. Uh, or did or does. It's, it's pretty... Uh, Pretty pretty eerie in that way. Well, that's that's really cool. I I played Trinity before, and I'm I'm with voting with Scott here. I think Trinity is one of the best settings that I've ever read. It was extremely well put together, and uh, it for the time and when it was designed, the system was good, and it just clicked. It was just it hit a zeitgeist uh, in sort of where everyone was at the time, and uh, it kept going. It's just very sad that it closed out because. White Wolf, um, being the company White Wolf, uh, had to close its doors for a while uh, until it was bought out by CCP, uh, who is the company that uh, ha- owns EVE Online, if anyone who's listening is familiar with that. Uh, and just recently, a new company has come out of it called Onyx Path, which has bought most of the rights to Trinity uh, and to Scion, uh, but also is leased out to produce a few other old White Wolf books, like Old World Darkness, Vampire, Werewolf, Mummy, Exalted, all those all those games. Yeah, so, it's kind of a, it's a renaissance of the 90s uh, era of role-playing games, and I, think, I, I... Go ahead. Oh, it's just, it's mirroring exactly what's happening in pop culture right now. Like, 90s nostalgia is king. Like, Oh, yeah. I mean, Nickelodeon put its bid in for a billion dollars by just saying they were going to basically boomerang their 90s lineup and, you know, just run Clarissa Explains It All and Rocco's Modern Life all day, every day. Oh, totally watching that. Of course you are, because we all have really good memories of the 90s. The Clinton years Mm -hmm. were wonderful. (laughs) Uh, I was 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 a little younger than you guys, but, I mean, I think anyone who really came up in the 90s has a lot of, uh, I mean, for the older, the quote-unquote older kids in the room, <laughs> you guys, uh, you know, that's why Vampire the Masquerade hit such a chord. It was just so, I don't know, that, that's the most 90s game that was ever 90s. Yeah, I mean, it, it was, you had uh, you had Vampire the Masquerade and listening to Nirvana. Uh, that was that was what was happening. Yep. Um, yeah, and, you, you, you listened to Nirvana while you played Vampire. 
You absolutely could. Uh, I would say you, Tool, personally. I would say you yeah, just yeah. stare at a wall and listen, and listen to Tool for an hour right, to get yourself Real quick, guys, I do have to you. interrupt, and I apologize for this. Let's let's bring it back just a little bit because sure. we're going off on a bit of a tangent, but that's cool. That's cool. We're going to get right back to it, I promise. Um, so for people who are listening and are, like, lost right now, uh, I, oh, Vampire is a game, a role-playing game that was produced by White Wolf that where you took on the persona of a vampire, um, like Lestat from uh, Interview with a Vampire, which was actually heavily inspired by that series of role-playing games, um, wherein you have to wrestle with your inhumanity as a vampire while also dealing with other vampires in a very political sense. Uh, and so it, this was a game that came out of the early 90s uh, and it ran well into the almost the double aughts uh, about and it was huge next to D&D which was owned as if anyone doesn't understand what D&D is it's the first real public role-playing game it is about swords sorcery and dragons I mean dragons is in the name but besides Dungeons, Dungeons and Dragons Vampire and the associated books with it were huge. They were the second biggest market share of role-playing games at the time. And so that gives you a little backstory of what we're talking about when we're talking about Vampire. And it because Atlanta is the home of White Wolf and therefore de facto Vampire, it was a very much big part of all of our lives. So I, that was actually like one of the longest-running things I did as a role-player was play Vampire. Uh, I played a gangrel for a while. It was a lot of fun. <laughs> I played a Bruja because I like Dungeons and Dragons a whole bunch and wanted to beat the shit out of stuff. <laughs> See, there are two schools of thought from if you came up playing role-playing games in the 90s and were kind of quote-unquote mainstream about it. Yeah, there's indie games out the gang yang but, you know, you don't hear about them now, and there's reasons for that. We'll get into those. And I'm sure we'll have plenty of time to discuss indie games. Oh, yeah. But Dungeons yeah, & Dragons yeah. was more of a... It's always been seen as more of a power fantasy game. The, oh, I'm a I'm a bigger, badder dude than, than I could ever be, and I want to, you know, blast orcs and, you know, snap goblin necks. Yeah, I'm and, Lachnar the Barbarian. Yeah, I mean, we it's, always... It's... It's the game of steadily increasing your numbers. Hold on. Uh, Scott, uh, you are roboting a bit. Uh, we apologize for this, everyone. Uh, hopefully it will clear itself out. As best it can. Uh, I don't apologize for being a robot. That's offensive. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I didn't. I forgot. I'm sorry. You're, you're pro-robo. Your I, I forgot about that. Shit. <laughs> uh, back to what it, Oh, and just as a note to the audience, uh, we don't know you guys yet, so until you guys give us feedback and perhaps tweet at us or tell us what you think of the podcast, we won't actually know what education level of ro on role-playing games you have. So if you're really tired of us explaining the baseline knowledge of role-playing games to you, why don't you tell us? That'll be yep. great. Yep. We'll, we'll be able to, you know, crank it up a little bit and have less time out to, ex like, explain ourselves. Uh, and by the way, since you mentioned it, that's polyhedronpodcast at gmail.com, everyone. polyhedronpodcast at gmail.com. Anyways, moving right along. So we had Vampire, and that was obviously very big in our formative years. Uh, Scott, you love Trinity. Um, I actually have actually have been a real hard time, guys, when thinking about the, doing the show notes and everything. I couldn't think of like what was like the game that I loved the most. Like I liked all the different role playing games I played. I have very fond memories of Vampire, but I don't know if it's the one I love the most. I'm actually having some issue figuring that out. 
Uh, mm-hmm. Star Wars isn't it for me, for sure. I love the universe and everything like that. I just, that was what we were doing and that we just had some characters that we knew and loved. But at the end of the day, like, there's only so much that can be expected from the level of storyteller we had as the person running the game. So, and the level of, you know, how mean he was to us and what about, what, whether this was power fantasy for him as well. So there's only so much you can get out of that. I, I didn't really start to have, you know, really enriching role-playing experiences until well into my 20s, uh, which was, you know, the LARPing. And uh, some games of Dungeons & Dragons I've played in have actually been more focused about the characters. and have I have played games of Dungeons & Dragons where we didn't fight for a whole session. That's so amazing. Everyone has to kill the rats. Uh, that's their first quest ever in any Dungeons & Dragons game ever. I refuse. No. Mm-hmm. Hey, Jenny, don't level up. We're done. We're done. Just go home. Fix Close the own, books. Fix your own problems, old woman. Well, actually, uh, something that Ryan hit on that I, I think we, we voided to explain a little bit, and I apologize. Yeah, it's the first episode. We're going to explain a lot. Uh, is In general, when you're role-playing with a group of friends, one guy is in charge, as in he's sort of telling you how the world reacts to the players. Uh, he's everyone that the players are not. And the players make their own characters, and they generally only control their character, and they try to be that character, as we explained. They take on a role. Um, and so this also brings us into uh, video games, guys, uh, because a lot of people, we, we had a lot of like formative experience with pen and paper, but I'm sure the first role-playing game that a lot of people have, people have played are like Final Fantasy VI, Final Fantasy VII. Uh, Chrono Trigger. Final yeah. yeah. I mean, well, video games is a, is a, is a gateway to that. I just, yeah. here's the thing. Like, as I've gotten older, I just, the, the, the phrase RPG in reference to video games just, it, it feels like a complete misnomer to me at this juncture just because of like. It's an abstraction. It, well, yeah, it's just like I've run through the woods being chased by a guy covered in blood with a pair of gigantic scything claws, and I didn't know where I was going, and either one of us could run into a tree and hurt ourselves. That's role-playing to me. Leveling up, like, watching the bars fill isn't so much role-playing to me anymore. Yeah, okay, I went and picked flowers for an hour. Whoop-de-fucking-do. Sorry. Um, But, you know, it, to me, I don't know. Like, I think calling what we call RPGs in terms of video games, now, I just... I don't know what else to call them, but that's just not what I... I don't feel that's what they are. Yeah, uh, that was actually something, uh, and I think we can get into this, which would be a good discussion topic, is we're, we we started off with the question, what is role-playing? And that's something we should ask ourselves, between all three of us, in that, what makes a role-playing game a role-playing game? I mean... I mean, you, I, I certainly think that, like, talking about uh, video games and whatnot, they're becoming more and more sophisticated. I mean, uh, but I, I do agree with Ryan that there is there there is some sort of intrinsic hurdles that need to be overcome to to really see the worthy of the name. I mean, but but at the same time, you look at a game like uh, Dragon Age Inquisition. Um, the level of choice that you have in that game is is pretty ridiculous. It, it um, came pretty close to actually giving up giving your avatar a personality that wasn't just a certain pre-prescribed thing uh it i mean it i mean much like every role-playing game it re- relies heavily on your inner monologue because you don't and i don't know if you don't play role-playing games with an inner monologue i don't know how you 
get anything out of the role, quote unquote role playing experience at all, but that's how I do it. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Dragon Age Inquisition was interesting because, as Ryan said, uh, you got to, you can make choices for the person, uh, based on what you thought they should say, and that gave your dude a personality. Like, it started making choices matter. And honestly, I think that's where the hard, for me, what role-playing games is, it's about choices. About the choices you make and the consequences that follow from them. I think that's yeah, really they're... what I, so in that broad sense for me, video games can still be called role-playing games, as long as choice is involved. And I don't just mean, like, what stat should I increase, what makes me better at the game, but like, can I decide to do one thing or another and have it something matters. different? Ha yeah, exactly. May have, make it have it. I, 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 you know what? That's a. I mean, I think I took too hard of a line. I think you're. I think you're right, Matt. I think that's a better way to look at it. Yeah, because um, what was it? The recent game because uh, I'm a busy man and I got a lot of things to do. I do podcasts. <laughs> uh, one of the things I've was been watching with my wife is until people play until dawn and. Man, that's a role playing game. You're making choices for all these different people. You're, you're, you're embodying the persona of several people and you get to dictate what they do and what they say. And those have very real, very lasting consequences for the entire narrative. Yeah, the, the general story kind of goes in the same direction, but the specifics and the details start changing. So, I actually, I, I actually just had a thought about a, a game that I actually in my opinion, is very much a true role-playing game in that it's the it's the most sandboxy sandbox that was ever a sandbox. <laughs> it's an MMORPG called Legend of the Wu, uh, Wu Lin, or, or no, sorry, that's the tabletop game. Uh, Age of Wushu, sort of a kung fu MMORPG that has, I mean, yeah, it's microtransaction hell, but like the game is so expansive and there's just so much in it and there's so little like direction to what you're quote unquote supposed to be doing that really it's all about what you as a person want to see your character get up to what Kung Fu do you want them to learn and how bad of a dude do you want them to be? Like you are very deterministic in what your character gets up to. I mean, yeah, you don't have, it's not one of those things where you get to like voice your feelings or opinions or your character doesn't say anything but you are the one controlling your very much your narrative mm -hmm. in that game reminds me a lot of back in the day everquest um uh, everquest was one of the first big breakout hits uh, uh except for ultima online um and i remember when i first started playing i didn't know what the hell to do because literally it pops you in the starting zone you don't have a quest like, there's no quest giver. I mean, uh, a lot of people may be uh, younger than us, and they may come from a time when World of Warcraft was the thing and is That's still me. a big thing. And because of that, you had quests, and you always know where to go and what to do and get the details. In EverQuest, there was nothing. Like, there was no tutorial. You were like, <laughs> I'm in a city... And I don't know what's going on. And a vendor wants 20 gold. And there's a guy who keeps trying to me to click on the PVP flag so he can beat my butt and take all my starting loot. Like, I don't know what to do. Uh, I actually got a quest once. Like, I found a scroll randomly off a dead thing, and it was a riddle. Like, it was a poem. It it was like, and that was that was a quest line. I knew it was a quest line because I looked it up. But it was, 
yeah, you got to solve the riddle. And once you solve it, you can go to another part of the quest line. But there was no hints. It was a raw brain power. So it, it more harkens back to what I'm talking about more harkens back to is sort of an old style of. I mean, Age of Wushu at least holds your hand a little bit at the very mm-hmm. beginning and be like, okay, here's how this game kind of functions. But yeah, what you're talking about, I, I, I find that just, ugh, that sounds awful. Like, I, I played World of Warcraft for five years, and even Beta WoW was just a more, you know, friendly, hand-holdy experience. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It, was that. A, I, it was a very yeah. introductory experience. I yes. never got into MMOs that much. Uh, they never really... Uh, when I play video games, specifically, specifically video games, what what needs to what needs to hit me first is the story. Um, and uh, you know, World of Warcraft. I, I I guess I was sort of very 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 shaped by my early experiences with World of Warcraft. I started off as a night elf, uh, and you know, the night elf story was interesting. And then my friends demanded that I go to you know, bumble screw human land. And I started fighting farm equipment and killing boars and like this is boring as hell. Um, and, and pretty much never picked it up again. Um, but the only MMO that really, really had earned my time was the Matrix Online. Um, yeah, that's, and, that's an old one. I, I heard, I heard very interesting things about it. I just didn't, I was in World of Warcraft mode at that point. So, you know. Yeah, it was, um, well, here's the thing about Matrix Online. Matrix Online was awesome until Sony bought it and made it shit. Um, uh, they, they basically took everything that was cool about the game out, um, and just kind of ran it into the ground. Um, I hear, I hear tales that there are like, uh, private servers running, uh, to this day, but I, I've never been able to track them down. It was just a really cool, it was a really cool game. And, mm-hmm. uh, the, the, like, they, one of the coolest things about it was the idea that, like, uh, your, your stats weren't set in stone. You could go to a phone and call your operator and change yourself from, from Kung Fu Man to, you know, script the hacker guy, uh, with, with a phone call. Um, and that was pretty neat. Yep. That's cool. I, I approve of any, any, uh, MMO that allows a very, very mutable character loadout. I, I think that that World of Warcraft figured that out a few, uh, many years ago and it, it, it has done pretty well for it. Yeah. Um, I, I, I know, I know we've gotten on a tangent about video games, but this is really good. This is fun because, uh, towards the end of the show, we have something called Random Roulette, where we talk about a random topic about role-playing games. And I think we already hit hit that topic, which was video games, because we started going on specifically about MMORPGs. Uh, for me, I got into World of Warcraft. Like, I was Evercrest for a little while, but it was very confusing. I tried Ashron's Call, which was a slightly later rendition of MMORPGs. That got me for a little while, but it still wasn't big. Then I got into World of Warcraft, and it was much easier. Oh, because, dude. Yeah. I got something. I, I'm a little weirder. I uh, I did Ultimate Online when I was too young, so I didn't know what the hell was going on. Oh, yeah. That, oh, man. But then, then, Star Wars Galaxies. Ooh. Oh, Jesus. I heard about that. I heard yeah. stories about that. My friends oh, used to play God. that it's all so the time. Cool. It's It was so cool. Just because it was the first time I'd ever played an MMORPG where it's like, uh, well, I, I need a gun. And I'm, and it's like, okay, well, you can either find a guy, kill him and take his gun, or you can go put a, a mineral extractor out in that field after speculating for an hour, get the materials, and then have someone make that gun for you. Yep. It was Talk a very. About... 
Talking about Brown Brown, economy. Yeah, Brown, uh speaking, speaking of Star Wars, the the other game, the other the other MMO that, that earned a good chunk of my time was uh, Star Wars: The Old Republic. Um, uh, that was fantastic. Yeah, um, that's a very well put together MMO. I just don't have the time to play it. Yeah, I'm it's quite story driven. Which it is, is very short. It's, it's didn't like, Final Fantasy fourteen hold that distinction as being story driven MMOs, which is yeah, no, weird. you play a you play a distinct story. Uh, you make your your choice of character class um, is is like you know there are what like I think twelve nine there's not yeah. a lot there's there's a decent amount and there's two sides so you have and and it's although there there are some some sort of sameness amongst the there's some parity. Amongst the, the 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 Republic and the Sith, um, there's still some some like you you can play the Sith Marauder uh, or you can play the Jedi Knight, and they're both you know dudes what hit things with lightsabers. Yep. Um, but they still feel very different in their story. Each each story for each class is like it's like playing a Bioware game. Um, it is a Bioware game. It is a, you know, it's like playing a console Bioware game. Mm-hmm. Um, like, it, and it's, it's like, you know, six or nine different individual storylines. Um, so you can, it has a lot of replayability. I only played through one. I played the Sith Inquisitor because I like shooting lightning out of my fingers. Um, and he's Emperor he's, Palpatine. Well, he's he Emperor. does look a little bit like Emperor Palpatine. So, you, <laughs> you can go to hell, Ryan. You're very welcome. <laughs> yeah, I have to, I have to pair with. Salus. Yeah. Hey, don't you don't do you it. do that? Don't you do that? <laughs> don't you hold that over my head? Uh, anyways, I I have to parrot what Scott said. Uh, I played um, uh, oh, uh, the old Republic game myself, and it was very good. Um, but after World of Warcraft, after I was done, MMOs just couldn't hold my attention, especially since I got into you know buffer larping. But that's going to be for another episode. We're going to get oh, into that one. We'll talk a lot about that, but it's a whole new drive. Yeah, but after that and just being an adult, I just could not have time to just play MMOs. I play mostly Hearthstone now. That's so uh, much easier. I played Final Fantasy XI uh, for, like, a few months, and that was probably, like, of my MMO experiences, the worst. Because oh. it's just Final Fantasy XIV, if anyone is a Final Fantasy XIV player... And wants to like now and reminisce with me about how bad FF11 was. I arduous R J O U S is my is my Twitter handle. Please, I need to find someone else who went through that <laughs> terrible, terrible experience that it was the first Final Fantasy MMO because it was just <laughs> hostile to human life. Yeah, I I did uh, not play it. I didn't. I don't know anything about it. I mean, uh, yeah. I'll, 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 you know what? We can talk about MMOs a lot on another episode. Sure, I have some sure. stuff to say about it. <laughs> sure. We, I'll, uh, I will yeah. put that on the docket. And if anybody wants to uh, chat with me about the Trinity Universe games or Exalted or some, some you know, fart-sniffing indie stuff like Houses of the Blooded, uh, then uh, feel free to hit me up at Dennis Malkav at uh, Twitter or at Dennis Malkav, I suppose. Um, and if you know anything about any of the games that we talked about, you'll figure out what that, that, uh, that handle means. Um, there you go. Uh, and if you want to talk to me about, uh, damn near anything RPG related, I am at BioImportance on Twitter. Uh, also, please, please give us some feedback, guys. Uh, we have, as I said earlier, a email address. It is polyhedronpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, please give us sh- questions to answer. 
things to discuss, funny stories that you had when you were role playing. We're we're all ears about this kind of stuff. Also, um, shortly after you probably hear this, we're also going to be launching a Patreon account. It's www.patreon.com slash polyhedron. Um, if you like the show, please become a sponsor. We have a couple milestone goals there, and the more we get, the more we can do and do for you. So, uh, yeah, I think that's a really good show, guys. What do you think? Uh I, uh, I, I misspelled my Twitter handle. It's R-J-U-O-U-S. But yes, I think that was a fine show. And I, I hope that people, uh, I hope that people didn't mind us doddering along from subject to subject too terribly much. I promise if you guys tell us what you want, we'll talk about it. It's, it's, it's almost like you guys have a say in what we do because we're trying to entertain you. <laughs> Mailbag episode. We do. And on that note, goodbye, good luck, and go have some fun. <laughs>